slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, we have got a very special show today, a crossover podcast with our friends at Locked On Rangers. We'll talk Rangers and Islanders. Big game tonight at the Nassau Coliseum. Second meeting in nine days for these two teams. Uh, second of three meetings over nine days. So we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back at the end of the uh, crossover show for a brief look at this date in Islanders history. So don't forget... Please, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, you can email the show at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles or follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at and Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. And uh, please, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a five-star rating on your podcatcher of choice along with a review. It does help other Islanders fans and hockey fans find the show, and grows our Locked On Islanders family. All right, so here's our crossover show with Locked On Rangers. All right, welcome back, everyone. We have a special Locked On crossover episode for you guys today. This is John Chick with Locked On Rangers, joined by Gil Martin with Locked On Islanders. Gil, how are we doing today, buddy? Doing good. How about yourself? Uh, doing great. You know, Rangers won three out of four. They got a big win over their division rival the other night. So, yeah, life is pretty good right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as long as you can figure out the goaltending situation, life looks great. Yeah, that's been tricky right now. And, you know, it's it's funny because actually both teams kind of have, uh, you know, I wouldn't say uh, goaltender controversy necessarily, but kind of a situation where, you know, both, you know, both teams have multiple goalies that deserve playing time. And, you know, it, there's just not enough of it to go around, especially for the Rangers, because, you know, like you said, they're they're rotating three guys right now. And I was surprised to see it looks like Alex Georgiev is going to once again get the start against the Islanders on Thursday. Uh, what about the Islanders? I mean, do we know who's going to start for them? And do you prefer one guy, you know, either Grice or Varlamov? Uh, I, I think they're going to go back to Varlamov. Grice started uh, on uh, Tuesday against Detroit. Uh, Varlamov has sort of taken over the starting job uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks. And I, I think right now, Barry Trotz is going to ride the hot hand. And right now, that's Varlamov. Do you think that there another reason for that could also be that, you know, Varlamov is under contract for another few years? And I believe Grace is a free agent after this year ends. I mean, do you think, you know, from the franchise's perspective that they kind of want to see Varlamov sort of take the reins there? I think that's part of it. You know, I mean, they have the goalie from Russia who is supposed to be coming over. Uh, after this season. So that's a real possibility. But uh, at this point, you know, Barry Trotz to me seems to be the kind of guy who, you know, if Grice starts getting hot and Varlamov slips, he'll go, he'll go with Grice because he wants to win this year. Uh, I mean, Robin Lehner started in the playoffs last year and he was on a one-year prove-it deal. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting because the Rangers have actually already announced that 
It's going to be Alex Georgiev once again playing the Islanders. And, you know, I get that to a certain extent because Georgiev, obviously, you know, he played great on Monday night against the Islanders, and he's really done quite well against them, you know, over, uh, well, he hasn't been in the league for that long. But for the most part, he has good stats against the Islanders. So, you know, you kind of continue to ride the hot hand. But it is very crowded there between Georgiev, Lundqvist, and Chesterkin. And Chesterkin was called up, you know, about a week ago, a little bit more than a week at this point. And it's kind of a three-headed monster there with the three goalies. And it's really tricky trying to find all these guys playing time. And I was surprised that they're going to go back to Georgiev, uh, you know, Thursday against the Islanders just because, you know, they call up Shesterkin and he has two great games. He wins them both. He gives up three goals in each game, but I I thought he played quite well in each of them. And, you know, now he's going to be sitting for about a week and a half. And that's assuming that they put Shesterkin back in against the Blue Jackets on Sunday, which I don't know if that's a slam dunk or not at this point. I keep thinking they're going to turn back to Shesterkin because he's kind of the goalie of the future. But looks like you guys are going to get Georgiev on Thursday. Yeah, I, I, you know, to me, they may very well be showcasing Georgiev for a trade. And yeah. if he plays well again, uh, it'll pique the interest of some teams that are looking for goaltending help. I mean, look, you could have three goalies on your roster for a little while, but especially when you have a young goalie like Shesterkin, you don't want him sitting for that long. You might as well send him back to the AHL. I know he's not happy there, but he's got to play. Otherwise, he's not going to progress and he's not going to develop properly. No, I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, Shesterkin, he put up video game-like numbers in the AHL. I think it kind of got to the point where, you know, both Lundqvist and Georgiev were kind of going through slumps. They've both been kind of up and down this season. And Shesterkin, it gets to the point where there's nothing else to do. I mean, he had a 1.93 goals against average in the AHL. So I think he kind of really forced the Rangers' hand. But I think what we're also seeing right now is we can understand why teams don't do this very often, why they don't have three goalies on their NHL roster, because we're only four games into this and the Rangers are three and one. So they're doing great. You know, they're, they're kind of just rolling with the punches here, but already, I mean, it seems like there's just too many mouths to feed and it's just going to be really hard, if not impossible to keep all these guys happy and give them enough playing time that they can be effective. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of just a case study here, I, I suppose, for why teams don't do this very often. Yeah. And the, the other thing that always comes into play is practice time. Because, you know, there's only two goals in a practice rink. And not only you're not getting as much game time, but you're not getting as much practice time either. And in the long run, that's just not sustainable. Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention, um, you know, when the calendar, anytime the calendar turns over, you know, we went from December to January and I kind of just, you know, scan the calendar real quick and see what jumps out at me. I mean, is it as crazy to you as it is to me that, first of all, we had to wait more than half the season to get a Ranger-Islander matchup, and then that they play each other three times in eight days. I mean, kind of a wild situation with the schedule, is it not? Yeah, it's unusual. I like it in one respect. You end up with, you know, when you play one team three times in eight days, by the end of the three games, you know, there's going to be playoff-like intensity. There's going to be grudge matches. There's going to be guys who, hey, that guy gave me a a cheap shot two games ago. I got to get him back. There's going to be some bad blood out there. Not that that ever happens when the Rangers play the Islanders, but you know, <laughs> no, of I course mean, not. no, no, never. So, no. I mean, I think we saw more fights in that game uh, on, on Monday than we did, you know, for a month before that. So, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, you, you don't see, and in fact, I can't remember the last time there were two fights without any play in between them like that. So, uh, you know, I like the intensity thing. It's almost like a, sort of a pseudo playoff kind of atmosphere, But at the same time, you know, you only play them four times during the entire season. That three of them come in eight days is odd. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, 
you know, going into that game, obviously, you know, expect you expect emotions to run high. You expect high intensity and everything. But we get two fights. I believe it was two minutes and 13 seconds in the game. And the yeah. prevailing thought for me is, wow, man, like we have three games with these guys. We are two minutes and a little bit of change into the first game. And already these guys are trying to take each other's heads off. You know, I just hope there's still players left standing on both sides <laughs> when, when this three game set, you know, wraps up here. It's going to be wild. It is. It's going to be a fun ride. You know, part one went to the Rangers, one-sided kind of a game. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how parts two and three play out. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the players on the Islanders that I have to ask you about is Derek Broussard, because, you know, I've talked about this on my show. He is one of my all-time favorite Rangers. He's with the Rangers for four years. Big part of some of those, you know, really deep playoff runs that they had and going to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, and with the Islanders, it seems like he kind of started slow for you guys, caught fire for a while, and has cooled off again. I mean, what's your take on Derek Broussard? Uh, what, what are you seeing from him this season with the Islanders? Well, you know, they started him off as the third-line center, and that didn't really work all that well. And then when some injuries hit, they moved him over to the wing on the second line, and that's when he really started to catch fire, and he was getting some power play minutes as well. And, you know... It seems like he's better suited on this team, at least, to play the wing. He's been unselfish. You know, I, I give yeah. him a lot of credit. He's willing to shift positions as long as he's getting his ice time. He works hard. He's capable. But look, you know, you can't just say it's Derek Broussard who's in the slump because up until, you know, Tuesday's game against the Red Wings, the entire Islanders team was struggling to score goals. Yeah, it looks like they're right around in the bottom third or so as far as goals per game. I mean, is, is that surprising to you? I mean, I'm looking at the roster and, you know, there's a lot of guys who can score, but, you know, maybe missing that, that you know, really top dangerous line that, you know, a lot of teams have. Um, it, is, is it surprising to you that they're kind of near the bottom? Not the bottom, but, you know, the bottom third or so as far as, you know, goals per game this season. It really isn't. I mean, yeah. yes, there's talent on this team, but you also have to remember this. Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello, both, you know, the coach and the general manager are defense first kind of guys. And yeah, that's true. The Islanders right now are second in goals against in, you know, goals given up in the league, 22nd in goals scored. Uh, there is no bonafide, you know, 35, 40 goal guy on this team. Uh, but a lot of guys who could score 25 to 30, let's say. And well, when I say a lot, three, maybe four, but overall, this team is going to be, you know, built from the goal out and defense first. And, you know, if you can't play solid positional hockey in your own zone, uh, you know, you're not going to get a lot of ice time with Barry Trotz. So it doesn't shock me, but I think the Islanders do need to add some goal scoring if they really want to be contenders and go on a playoff run this year. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's funny you mentioned the defense. You know, Barry Trotz, certainly a defensive-minded coach. You know, he's really, as far as I'm concerned, one of the biggest reasons why the Capitals eventually broke through and won the Stanley Cup because it was like, hey, guys, you know, I, I know we're a very talented team and we can score goals with the best of them, but there's this thing called defense, and we got to do that in the playoffs as well because, you know, the Capitals that year, all of a sudden, it, they became a very good defensive team, and I think that kind of paved the way to them winning the Cup that year. Absolutely. And I, I think the one thing you see with the Islanders now, which is quite the opposite of what you saw when Doug Waite and, and Garth Snow were running the organization, is that they're playing a playoff style of hockey pretty much all season long. So, you know, some teams have to adjust their game when they reach the postseason, you know, assuming the Islanders qualify for the playoffs and right now yeah. they're in a position to do so. 
they don't have to change the way they play all that much. This is the way they do things. Uh, the question is, does that tire you out over an 82-game season, and what do you have left once April and maybe May roll around? Yep, no, that makes sense. And uh, you know what? We talked about the goaltender situation a little bit, and obviously Varlamov, Grice, a little bit of a timeshare going on there right now. But And you mentioned the playoffs. Um, if the Islanders do get in, I mean, do you think that they have to go with one guy or, or the other, or do you think – you know, the timeshare can continue to work, you know, throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs and that they could maybe even go on a deep run, even, you know, with both those guys splitting time. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, again, last year, Laner started all of the playoff games. Yeah. Uh, so, but but I think the thing about Trotz, yeah, he'll probably pick one guy to start. But I think the, the beauty of having a one and a 1A, let's say, in goal is that if if there's any problem, if, if let's say he starts Varlamov and he doesn't play very well right out, out of the gate, he can go to Grice with full confidence and the team will have confidence in him. And uh, he'll try to find and ride the hot hand. Yeah, you know, Varlamov, Ranger fans probably don't have the best memories of him in the playoffs because this, this was a long time ago and we're going back probably like, geez, like eight, nine years. But the Rangers, this is when they still see it, everybody one through eight. But the Rangers were the seven seed. You know, it's one of those years where they just barely get in. And they were up against the Capitals, who were the two seed. And that was when Varlamov was on the Capitals. And I forget who the veteran goalie was for the Capitals. But this veteran started in game one. And he might have also started game two. And the Rangers took a 2 nothing series lead. And then they were up 3-1. to one. But Varlamov was so much better than the veteran he replaced. And really was a big reason why I think the Capitals uh, eventually rallied out of that 3-1 deficit and came back to beat the Rangers. That, that was really tough. And I think Varlamov was a rookie this year. But... I think you guys might be in good hands if you if you go with him in the postseason. He he's got a lot of postseason experience. You know, he's helped the Avalanche make some decent playoff runs, even when they weren't the greatest team in front of him. Uh, you go back to 2013, 2014, where he won 40 games. You know, in goal for the Avs. So yeah, he I think he has the edge as far as who they're going to start in the playoffs. But again, you know, there's always injuries. There's always hot streaks, cold streaks. Uh, and, and look, the other thing is, of course, they got to qualify first because, you know, since that 17 game point streak that they had back in November and December, the Islanders have been playing a little bit better than NHL 500 hockey. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings right now and it looks like the Islanders, they've got 60 points, which let's see, that's tied for fourth in the Eastern Conference. So not bad, but, you know, you really can't afford to go on too much of a slide if you're a team in playoff position because, the last team out right now would be the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they have 54 points. So basically, they're three wins behind the Islanders right now. And all it takes, you know, for, you know, if the Rangers to get back into the playoffs or the Islanders fall out of it, you know, if you go on a little bit of a winning streak or a little bit of a losing streak, you can really alter your standing in, in a heck of a hurry. No question. And 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 that's the thing. You know, you go on this 17-game point streak, and you're still A in second place, and B, you don't have that much of a cushion in a strong metropolitan division with teams like the Penguins, who just got Sidney Crosby back, the the Hurricanes, the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, the Rangers. It's a deep division, and yeah. you know you lose three or four in a row, you can go from second place to fifth place in in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, it's absolutely one hundred percent correct. And uh, I also wanted to ask you. So we got the trade deadline coming up, and I'm just wondering. You know, do you think the Islanders, are they at the point where, you know, they would kind of go all in and maybe ship away some prospects and or some draft picks to, you know, add some pieces and, and really kind of go go for the whole thing this season? I mean, are they at that point? 
You know, I think the next few weeks will be very telling. The injury to Adam Pellick, he's out for the year. He was their top defense. He was on the top defensive pair, led the, the team's defenseman in minutes. You know, not the kind of guy who makes headlines, but if he's on your team, you fully appreciate what he brings to the table game in and game out. That may create one more big hole that they need to fill Uh Come playoff time, you know, they're relying on Noah Dobson, a talented rookie, but a rookie nonetheless, to sort of fill in those minutes. So, you know, they need a scoring forward, and now they may also need a defenseman. Uh, it may be too costly to go all in, but I think yeah. if they if they play very well over the next few weeks leading up to the trade deadline, they may force uh they may force Lou Lamorello's hand. Yeah, and with the Rangers, it's you know it's tricky because they're having. I would say they're actually doing a little bit better than a lot of people would have expected this season. I mean, as far as the playoffs go, I believe they're still just six points out, so within striking distance. But they got a lot of guys, you know, who are on the last year of their contract, and a lot of guys who could really fetch a nice return. You know, obviously Chris Kreider's the big one; he's the one that everybody's talking about. Yep. And then you've also got you know Tony D'Angelo, who's having this breakout season, but he's just on a one-year deal. And you know, Jesper Foss and Ryan Strom as well. And, you know, we were talking about this the other night uh, when we did a crossover special with Locked on Devils, but you really could make a case toward, you know, extending these guys now, or at least trying to, or, you know, letting them play out their contracts or trading them and getting more prospects. And it's really a tricky situation. And I really don't envy their front office because I don't know what the right answers are. You know, I don't know if some of these guys are extended and, and some of them get shipped for, you know, prospects or draft picks. And it, it depends a lot on what the return would be as well. But Rangers, yeah, man, they, they really got some some tough decisions to make as this trade deadline approaches here. Yeah, they're really at a crossroads right now, and this is where J.D. and, and Gordon are going to make their money because, you know, you look at this lineup, like you said, there's a lot of guys who are having very good seasons. I, is this one of those situations where you have to identify, are these players guys we're going to build around in the future, or do we sell high while these guys are having a strong year and get the most we can for them while the iron is hot? It, it, it's it's a real, you know, that's why these guys make a lot of money to be GMs and team presidents and all of that. And uh, we'll see what JD and, and Gordon end up doing. Uh, I get the feeling they'll identify, you know, two or three of the players that you mentioned and try to sign them if they can. Uh, and, and if they can't, then, you know, they may just, try shipping some of them away but you know to me the first thing they have to do is deal a goalie yeah I mean I think at some point you know and we talked about this as well but you know Lundqvist still has the no move clause I get the feeling that maybe they haven't quite given up on getting him to waive that but I just can't see that happening I feel like Lundqvist is you know comfortable in New York he's got a family there I don't think he wants to move you know halfway across the country and I just get the feeling that being a ranger for life means a lot to him and that he's going to be looking to, uh, you know, just play out the contract. He's there this year, and he's there next year. And, uh, you know, after that, I wouldn't be surprised to see him hang them up. But, yeah, I mean, like, if they were to deal him to, say, like, you know, a team in the Western Conference, you know, a team that kind of has a chance to maybe go on a Stanley Cup run, and even whether he's the backup or the starter or kind of splitting time there, I would love to see him get a cha get a chance to chase the Stanley Cup because, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly optimistic Ranger fan, but... I'd be lying to you if I said I thought that the Rangers were going to win the Stanley Cup this year or even next year, really. Right. I agree. And, and you know, to me, the parallel that I draw, Lundqvist, uh, you know, Hall of Fame career, has won everything there is to win in hockey except a Stanley Cup. And I think about, uh, you know, another great Ranger goalie, Ed Jockerman, who, you know, for a decade, 
you know, won Vezina trophies, got the team to the Stanley Cup final, just like Henrik did, uh, you know, was was an elite goaltender uh, that helped make the team as good as they were in the early 70s, but never quite managed to win a Stanley Cup during his career. And that is always a, a strike held against him. If you're a Ranger fan or even a hockey fan, you want to see Henrik Lundqvist get at least one. Oh, absolutely. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, we mentioned some of the players on the Rangers that could be on the move or they could be kept or extended. And I think, you know, the poster child for what you were talking about, because you raise an excellent question there. Do you build around these guys that are having these great seasons or do you trade them now while they're hot and while their value will never be higher? And I think, you know, kind of the poster child of that is Ryan Strome, because right now he is second on the Rangers with 42 points. And, you know, some of his detractors mentioned that, oh, well, you know, he plays on a line with Artemi Panarin. And yes, he does. But you know what? He's just taking advantage of a great opportunity in my mind. But the question then becomes, you know, could other players with comparable uh, skills as Ryan Strom put up the same numbers with Artemi Panarin? And if that is the case, do you deal Strom away? And, you know, again, it's, it's a really tough question. It's one of those things I like Ryan Strom. And he's another guy who's versatile. You know, he could play center. You can put him on the wing as well. I like Ryan Strom. But if they move him, you know, I wouldn't be able to go crazy about that. I wouldn't be able to, you know, throw the Rangers front office under the bus for that because they're kind of striking while the iron's hot and they're moving the guy while he's, you know, on fire right now. But the other, the counterpoint to that is, you know, at some point you got to draw a line and say, okay, the rebuild is, you know, it's still ongoing a little bit, but we need a couple guys here that we know are going to be here and that we know we're going to build this foundation around. And Strom could be one of those guys. It really is a toss up. It's a tough call. I mean, I remember Strom when he came up with the Islanders and, you know, very young kid had to sort of, you know, grow physically in order to really compete in the National Hockey League. He's more than done that. I kind of think this is more or less his ceiling. This is this season is kind of the best you're going to get out of Ryan Strom. He's just a hair below a point a game, as you mentioned, playing with Panarin. I would be inclined to say that the Rangers would probably be better off dealing him if they can get something, you know, very good in return. Because like you said, they're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. They're probably not winning the Stanley Cup next year. Uh, get another prospect, get a, a, a pretty good draft pick for Strom and keep building this team. You know, the one thing, if you look back at Rangers history, too often – they have not rebuilt the right way. They've gone for the veterans, for the quick fix, for the yeah. superstar who, you know, you can go all the way back to, you know, Phil Esposito and Marcel Dion and Guy Lafleur and, you know, Yaramir Yager, you know, guys who were a little past their prime in most of those cases, but were still able to contribute to the Rangers. But that's not the way you build a consistent winner over the long haul. And this rebuild so far, I think that they've done it the right way. And it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Yeah, the Ranger teams of the early 2000s, because there was a stretch there where I believe it was uh, eight straight years that they missed the playoffs, or, or maybe even if you count the strike season, it might have been nine. Right. But they just kept, they, and, and the thing they did was they kind of had a veteran team that tended to underachieve. And rather than you know, sell some of these veteran pieces. Maybe you don't get a, a, you know, a King's ransom for them, but you get something, you know, you get draft picks or a young player, you know, something. They would be buyers. They'd be like in ninth place in the Eastern Conference and they'd be like, all right, let's buy and let's try to scratch and claw our way to the eighth seed. You know, like as if that was going to lead them to the Stanley Cup Finals. So they would make these moves and they would bring in, you know, a good player and you'd get a little bit excited, but then you're kind of like, 
I don't know about this. You know, we might be paying for this in the long run. And it, it was just this vicious cycle where the Rangers, they just couldn't get it going for almost a decade there. It was pretty crazy. Well, they were like chasing their tail almost like, and, and the, the problem was at that point, you know, Glenn Sather would make a lot of headlines in the summer and a lot of headlines at the trade deadline. He'd sign, you know, big free agents, but that didn't necessarily put together a team with chemistry where everybody knew their role and everybody fit in well with the overall concept of the team. It was almost like, we're going to do this because we need to do this right now. And we're going to do it on the fly. And as a result, they sort of ran in place for, like you said, nine, 10 years. And what, what ended up happening at that point was uh, they started to trade away, you know, Brian Leach and Messier retired. And then the, the lockout happened. They missed the entire season. And then some goalie named Henrik Lundqvist joined the team and that rebuild got sped up immeasurably as a result. Yeah, it's funny. When they finally broke the uh, you know the playoff streak there, the lack of playoff streak, I guess I should say, it was basically Yager, Lundqvist, and a bunch of guys. I mean, you didn't really know these guys, but they really overachieved that season. And I believe they were, they were swept by the Devils in the first round of the playoffs. But as a Ranger fan, man, it, it was just so great to see them back into the playoffs, you know, any, any which way that they did it. Sure. And Islander fans were only too familiar with long playoff droughts. I mean, yeah. they, they went from 1993 until what was it? 2016 without winning a playoff round. So, uh, you know, Islander fans can certainly understand that, <laughs> that problem and uh, very happy last year to all of a sudden, you know, turn things around, surprise a lot of people get the, uh, you know, hundred points. And win a playoff round again last year for the for the second time in what four seasons. So yeah, uh, things looking up for the Islanders. I think the Rangers are heading in the right direction with their rebuild. And to me, the best part about that is that means this rivalry is going to intensify again. And you know, when those two teams are both good, man, that's the best hockey that New Yorkers get to see. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a while, I think, since both teams were, you know, really, really good. And I guess I could, I suppose you could say it still hasn't really happened because the Rangers kind of still on this rebuild and on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. But I do think both teams are moving in the right direction. And man, it's going to be a lot of fun when, uh, you know, when the Rangers and Islanders are playing each other in the playoffs again. That's going to be a blast. Yeah, it hasn't happened since 1994. But boy, it it will be a a blast. Are, Are you happy with the way Quinn is coaching? I know he has his supporters and his detractors among Ranger fans. Overall, I do like Quinn. And as much as, you know, he will be the target of some criticism from from Ranger fans on Twitter every once in a while, they tend to go after Lindy Ruff a little bit more than Quinn because, you know, the defense has these breakdowns and, you know, Lindy Ruff is supposed to be, you know, this great defensive-minded coach. But overall, you know, I, I do like David Quinn. I think he's, you know, he's kind of a younger coach and I think that's good for this young team that the Rangers have. And when you're doing, uh, you know, a full-fledged rebuild, you have to give the coach a little bit of a rope. So Ranger fans, and not to say that there's a lot of them, but there's some Ranger fans that are like, oh, fire rough, fire Quinn. Quinn is not going to get fired because we are still kind of, you know, in the early stages of this rebuild. I know that's not what Ranger fans want to hear, but it will be some time before the Rangers can be considered bonafide Stanley Cup contenders. Now, if that happens, you know, if the Rangers are you know, one of the teams in the offseason that a lot of people think are going to contend for and win the Stanley Cup a few years from now, and then they don't make the playoffs, then yeah, we can have a conversation about David Quinn. But overall, I like him. You know, I, I do like what he's done so far. The players seem to play hard for him. These guys do play hard night in and night out. Um, you know, I could count maybe on one hand the amount of games this season where maybe the effort was a little bit lacking. Maybe it's happened, you know, three times total. But yeah, I mean, I like David Quinn. I'll, I'll throw all my support behind him. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see where this thing goes. 
Yeah, I, I like the way things are going under Quinn also. And and I think fans have to realize it's a rebuilding process. It's going to take time. But if you do it the right way, you know, the key is how does he develop some of these younger players and are they growing and are they improving under his tutelage? And that's going to be the key for this team for the next year or two. And I believe they are. You know, we're getting a career season out of Ryan Strom. Now, I realize he's not, you know, one of the homegrown Rangers, and he does benefit from playing with Panarin, but he's been great. Adam Fox is having a big-time breakout season. Tony D'Angelo has been awesome. So a lot of these guys, you know, having good seasons. You know, Pavel Buchnevich, he's kind of in a slump recently, and, you know, he's kind of indecisive out there. But nevertheless, he does have 25 points, so a decent season from Pavel Buchnevich. And Philip Hedl having a great season ever since he was recalled from AHL Hartford. But... Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at, you know, most of these young kids and how they've done this season, I think overall you, you got to give Quinn the thumbs up. And uh, I just wanted to ask you about Barry Trotz. I mean, how do Islander fans feel about him? Because, you know, he comes over as a Stanley Cup winning coach. Are they happy with, you know, the direction that he's leading this team in? How does everybody feel about Trotz over there? I think most fans are very happy with Trotz. I mean, look, before he came in, this team was not winning consistently. They weren't playing sound fundamental defense, and you see what they've been able to do last year and this year. I mean, is his style exciting? Is it is it like I can't, you know, miss this shift because the team is going to explode and score six goals a night? No. But, hey, it's better to win three to two than lose five to four and six to five. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the system is not glamorous, but it's very effective. The team plays smart. They play hard most nights. And uh, and I think that there is a very high respect level in that locker room for Barry Trotz. Like you said, Stanley Cup winning coach, probably a future Hall of Fame coach, and, and a guy who deserves that respect. Absolutely. And another thing I wanted to ask you about is you have a book published, and it's called Ice Wars. And from what I understand, basically uh, takes an in-depth look at the rivalry between the Rangers and the Islanders. I mean, is that kind of the long and short of it or anything else you'd like to share about that book? Yeah, uh, it, it, it basically goes over every Ranger-Islander game and season from 1972 up until the modern era. Uh, I've got like statistics from every season, player profiles from, you know, one from each team for each season. And uh, it just it was a lot of fun to put together. So uh, it's called Ice Wars. It's available on Amazon. And uh, Rangers and Islanders fans alike would really uh, enjoy it. It was a labor of love for me to put together. Yeah, I was going to say, man, you know, that, that sounds like a must-have item for any Ranger or any Islander fan. And, hey, man, I might have to, uh, you know, pick up a copy myself. Hey, uh, if you do, I'll sign it for you. I'd be happy to. <laughs> sounds good, man. And, uh, you know, I figure, you know, maybe we can just do a quick prediction here for Thursday night's game before we, uh, before we wrap things up here. I mean, do you have, like, a final score prediction or anything that you expect to happen in the game? I think this is going to be another physical game. I think that the intensity we saw on Monday is going to carry over. Uh, if I had to make a prediction, look, this is at the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, the crowd is always split and boisterous at the Coliseum. I think the Islanders get it done at home. I'm going to say three to two uh, with the Rangers pulling the goalie at the end, but coming up short. I have the same score, but I'm going to say Rangers take this one three to two. I just like what I'm seeing from them lately. And, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm a little bit of a homer. I do tend to predict them anytime I do this with another uh, locked on host. But I'm going to say Rangers take this one three to two in overtime. Let's 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 do that. We'll say in overtime. Fair enough. Yeah. And one more question, maybe even more importantly, over or under two and a half fights in this game. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> under, but not okay. by much. 
Yeah, I think I think maybe exactly two fights. Um, you know, I get the feeling that you know they got all they got all that rage out of their system. They did the whole Ranger Islander thing on Monday, and you know this one is going to be more about winning and losing. Not that the first one wasn't, but I just think you know these guys are going to put all their energy into making sure that their team comes out on top. You know, messages, a couple of shots fired across the bow on Monday, messages sent and a couple of fists landed. And it's going to be more about hockey in this one. I think so, too. I think the only way we see more than two fights is if this is like a 5-1 or 6-1 hockey game late. And I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, all bets are off if that's the case. But I'm with you. I expect kind of a low scoring uh, kind of grinded out type game on Thursday night. So, uh, yeah, I figure we can end with that. And, uh, you know, this is a lot of fun, Gil, and uh, we'll have to do this again uh, a little bit later this season, maybe even next week, because they got another game against each other next week as well. Sounds good to me. All right. So, Ranger fans, Islander fans, thanks for joining in, and uh, we will see you next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. This date in Islanders history, very quickly, we take you back to January the 16th, 1993 at the Brendan Byrne Arena in the Meadowlands, Islanders and the Devils. And uh, in this game, you got to remember, this is the year the Islanders went on that glorious playoff run all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. The big scorer in this game, Pierre Turgeon, he had three goals in this one, one in the first period, one in the second, and one in the third And at the end of the day, it was the Islanders beating the New Jersey Devils by a score of 5-3. Pierre Turgeon with the hat trick on three shots. And no other Islander other than Uwe Krupp had a multiple point game. Other goals, Jeff Norton and Krupp, uh, the goal scorers for the Islanders in this one. The goaltenders in this game, uh, interesting pair. Chris Terreri for the Devils. Mark Fitzpatrick for the Islanders. He made 24 saves after facing 27 shots to get the victory. Islanders led 1-0. Then Claude Lemieux uh, getting a goal for the Devils. Later on, Peter Stasny and Bill Guerin scoring for New Jersey, for the Islanders, it was Turgeon three times, Krupp, and Jeff Norton, who got his ninth of the game. That's going to do it for us today. Again, thanks to uh, Mr. Chick of Locked On Rangers. Uh, we will have a f- complete recap of tonight's game at the Coliseum against the Rangers, plus a preview of all this weekend's contests, including the big one against the Washington Capitals. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.